where we leave on the light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades. By Calchexis. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter 3. How do I say... Even in winter, the markets of Piltover were never silent things. The great bronze weatherawnings that had already been erected over the busiest thoroughfares of the City of Progress, whose bowed structures and cleverly built-in sluices allowed the near-constant rainfall of the season to be funneled away from the cliffside. The worst of the rainfall poured out into the ocean through the mighty canals that ran all the way out to the sea gate, while the rest were pumped through the hydroplast to be repurposed for sewage or drinking water. Lux tugged her winter coat around herself as she moved through the thinning crowds. Evening was falling as the temperature was dropping, which was miserable, but it also meant that it was easier to shop. Piltover was nothing like Demacia, whose population was relatively modest by comparison. Despite not being much larger in terms of landmass, the structure of Piltover, being built vertically in both directions, meant its total habitable space was many times greater. Another shiver passed through Lux as she emerged into one of the large market squares where people were milling about, conversing, meeting up, or in some places just loitering. There was so much life in this city, despite it being made of metal. It was a living, breathing, ragged thing in places, but it was so very alive. But, like any living thing, it had its illnesses, its cancers. Piltover was rife with financial corruption. There were plenty of laws in place for those who wanted to invent or create, but it seemed like for every law made to protect, another three were added as a means of circumventing those same laws. It was a place for the ruthless as much as it was for the clever and creative. Lux grimaced up at the enormous statue of treated bronze and silver that adorned the central fountain of Grey Lane Square, towering almost ten meters high. Ashram Cantover was a Hextech tycoon who was as wealthy as he was vicious. He held the rights to almost a thousand patents, mostly small quality-of-life hex technologies, but a few were more crucial, and none of them were his. It was no secret that Sir Cantover wasn't what you'd call an inventor. He was a businessman and a broker at best. His patents were the product of others whose hard work had been extorted, bullied, or outright stolen from them. And yet he had technically broken no laws. There were few people in the world that Lux hated more than those parasites too weak to make good of themselves, and so drained the strength of others to accomplish it. The laws of Piltover existed to keep order and even the playing field, but to some they were just another blade held to the throats of the less fortunate by bandits. Even worse, Cantover wasn't even ashamed of it. He had a penchant for erecting statues of himself across districts he'd purchased the rights to, like an incontinent hound marking its territory. They were hideously gauche things, but once again, not technically illegal. What were illegal were the rackets he funded through Zonite shell corporations that managed his dealings with the Cambarons. They happily did his dirty work, and since they never had any direct connection to him, he was left sitting pretty up in his spire. Those dealings, however, were also his weak point, because in order to keep his hands clean, he could never acknowledge them directly and Zonites were notoriously nasty when it came to deals going sour. As part of Demacia's good-faith agreement with Piltover, the Crown Guards had signed a number of papers agreeing to a joint defense pact. That was all well and good, but it wasn't anything that Demacia or Piltover ever thought would actually come up. You'd have to be crazy to declare war on Piltover, after all, and not even Noxus was that bloodthirsty. 
No, the real reason was that it allowed the Radiant to establish a limited presence in the city, meaning Lux, and the secretive order had pledged a certain amount of cleanup when it came to Zonet influence in Piltoven markets. The Kembarans had been establishing too much control over the market sector in the past several years, thanks to a rise in corruption among the Nouveau Riche and even some of the lesser merchant dynasties, and the inability to directly address that corruption thanks to the convoluted web of bylaws woven into Piltover's commercial laws was becoming a serious problem. That was why the Council had asked for Demacia's aid. Lux's grimace twitched up into a faint smile as she stepped through the crowd, blending into blind spots, and shimmered out of existence as she got closer to the statue. Fortunately, she was especially good at solving those sorts of problems. Invisible, Lux slipped around the statue, maneuvering around the sparse evening crowd as she ran her hand along the broad base until she found a seam that shouldn't be there. It was, like her, nearly invisible, and unless someone knew what they were looking for, it might not appear out of place, even if it was spotted. A secret dead-drop alcove in the base of Sir Cantover's statue, unfortunately, still wasn't proof of complicity. But the fact that every single one of his statues that Lux had checked over the past week had one of these alcoves in it somewhere certainly didn't look good. Either way, it wasn't a punishable offense, and that wasn't why Lux had come. With a deft flick of her fingers, she opened the alcove. The space was empty, which was too bad. She'd found a few dead drops whose information had mysteriously ended up in the hands of the Sheriff of Piltover by doing this, but still not what she was here for. Last one, Lux said quietly as she reached inside and pressed the tip of her finger to the upper panel of the alcove. With painstaking care, Lux lit her magic and began scoring a rune into the metal. The moment the room was complete, she felt the connection she was expecting snap into existence. Finally, after weeks, her preparations were complete. Sliding the dead drop alcove closed, Lux slipped back into the darkening shadows of Piltover towards the markets. She still had some groceries to pick up, and by the gods, she was finally going to get herself another couple of sweaters. As much as she loved wearing Jinx's sweater, she did have to wash it occasionally. Not for the first time. Lux found herself deeply grateful that the Radiant had no real feasible way to check in on her with any kind of consistency. Piltover was simply put too damn far away, and as powerful as the secretive order was in Demacia, it wasn't large enough to justify assigning its small number of operatives to anything but crucial missions. So long as Lux was putting in her reports on time and maintaining good relations with Piltover's security forces, the Council seemed perfectly happy to let Lux operate with complete autonomy. And why shouldn't they? Lux was a daughter of House Crownguard. There was no more loyal force in Demacia. Not only that, but while she may not have been the most senior infiltrator among Radiant operatives, almost all of her missions had required her to operate with zero contact for months at a time in some cases. That meant that, barring the unlikely case of another unannounced visit from her brother, Lux was situated to freely enjoy living with Jinx for the foreseeable future. As she rolled the pneumatic lift up through the breadth of Spire 14, Lux couldn't help but smile. The closer she got to home, the closer she got to Jinx, and that was always a reason to smile. Plus, she had plans for tonight, or maybe tomorrow night, depending on if Jinx was out knocking over a building or something else equally silly. There wasn't really a time limit beyond the next few days, if only so she could use the ingredients she'd bought. The lift doors hissed open, and Lux stepped out into the hall, her satchel bulging with her recent purchases. It was late, well past moonrise, 
but with the latest storm having blown itself out recently, the skies above Piltover had been left uncharacteristically clear, which Lux was hoping to take advantage of. A clear, moonlit night was really quite romantic. Lux slid her key into the primary lock of the door, entered a series of codes, and the door rattled and clicked until the four locks sealing it shut released. It was heavy, but Lux had gotten used to the weight, although lately she'd been struggling with opening and closing the door. Jinx said it was probably because the temperature was causing the metal to flex. Just open, Lux snarled as she jerked the handle and freed the door, and yelped as she dodged to the side when it swung open with all the pent-up force she'd applied. Stupid door, Lux grumbled as she gave it a half-hearted kick before stepping inside the flat and pulling it closed behind her and saying, I'm home! And she was, because Jinx wasn't on walkabout. She was sitting at the desk tinkering with her rotator cannon, and as Lux walked in, the mad Zawnite tipped back in her chair and grinned. Like a mum. Those words made the smile Lux wore go even wider as she hung up her jacket, shed her burden by the kitchenette, crossed the living room, and caught Jinx's cheek in the palm of her hand before leaning in to press a kiss to Jinx's lips. It was a warm, welcoming thing, and Lux parted her lips softly to deepen the kiss even more as Jinx looped an arm around Lux's shoulders to draw her nearer. When they finally parted, Lux's cheeks were flushed, and Jinx was smiling like a particularly satisfied cat. I finally got some warm clothes, Lux said. It only took me a month. Does that mean I get my sweater back? Jinx asked. No. Jinx snorted out a laugh as she turned back to her cannon and continued to tinker. Kill anyone while you were out? Not this time, Lux replied as she returned to her sack of belongings and began parting out the ingredients. I did consider it with this one vegetable vendor who kept staring at my chest while I was trying to buy potatoes. Turning in her seat, Jinx raised an eyebrow at Lux, and she was wearing a more violent version of her usual neutral rictus. Don't, Lux warned, flashing a reproving look at Jinx. Besides, I fleeced him for everything he was worth while he was distracted. Although by what, I'm not sure. Lux frowned as she tugged at her collar and looked down. Honestly, I haven't got much happening down there. Lux frowned as she started washing the vegetables before turning to preheat the oven. It was an ingenious invention that made use of Hextech fire sigils and convection to provide heat without the need for an active fuel source like wood. The invention was new enough that only a handful of Damasian houses had access to it, including the palace, obviously, but House Crownguard had yet to make the upgrade. She'd found it surprisingly easy to use, fortunately, with a few pointers from Jinx. The real trick was remembering to turn it off. The heat wouldn't just die down on its own. A pair of arms slipped around Lux's waist as she worked one of the knobs of the oven, and her smile returned full force as Jinx nuzzled against her neck. Hey. Lux leaned her head against Jinx's. Lux chuckled before replying in kind. I know. You don't have to reassure me. It's not as though I let that miserable letter affect me. Long fingers laid softly against Lux's cheek, turning her to face Jinx, who was wearing a surprisingly serious look on her face. You're perfect, Blondie, Jinx said firmly in common. Jinx. Lux stole a kiss, prompting a smile from Jinx. Thank you. You're perfect too, you know. Jinx snorted out another graceless laugh as she stepped back to lean against the counter where the meat and vegetables were arrayed and shook her head. Perfect. <laughs> I'm more scars than I am skin, Blondie, Jinx countered, chattering down at herself. She was wearing a long sweater, a different one, but even what little skin was on display had at least a few scars on it. There was little of Jinx that wasn't scarred. 
will have it on good authority that some women find scars to be very attractive, Lux replied archly as she nudged Pat Jinx to gather up the roast she'd picked up at the market, placed the vegetables around the pan it was in, then turned to slip it into the oven. Oh, yeah? Jinx said. Who's? Lux stood as she closed the oven and turned to fix Jinx with a warm look and a feeled smile. Mine. Jinx hummed thoughtfully as she pushed herself off of the counter and leaned until her nose was a finger's breadth from Lux's while her grin stretched yet wider and she said, And you're an authority? Lux didn't back down in the slightest. Instead, she inched forward until their lips were almost together and said, I'm your authority. That wide slash of a grin grew broader, showing teeth as Jinx's bright, springberry eyes flashed defiantly. You know, she said without moving, I always had a problem with authority. Lux made a quiet hum of acknowledgement before closing the distance and pressing a deep, breath-stealing kiss to Jinx's lips, pushing hard against her until the taller woman was all but pinned to the counter. Jinx let her, because she always let her. One thing Lux had learned living with Jinx was that the Zawnite would literally let her get away with anything, whether or not that was good remains to be seen, as it meant that Lux had to police her own behavior more diligently. The last thing she wanted was a repeat of the last time she lost her temper. She still hadn't forgiven herself for that, and probably never would. The kiss wasn't quite desperate, but it was intense. Lux clung to Jinx, her fingers coiling into the fabric of the sweater as she pulled at Jinx, tucking her plaintively closer. Jinx replied as she always did. She pressed in and her hands roamed across Lux's body, slipping under her shirt to find the soft planes of her neck and the gentle curving muscle along her sides, with fingers that gripped a little too hard, just the way Lux liked it. Mm. Lux smiled against Jinx's lips. Still have a problem? Maybe. Lux laughed and swatted at Jinx's side. Well, go finish tinkering, then. I have a surprise for you later tonight. She almost made it back to the oven before Jinx's arms snuck around her and tucked her back. Sharp teeth nipped at the shell of Lux's ear, and Jinx growled playfully as Lux laughed and playfully struggled. Come on, Blondie, I hate waiting, Jinx whined. Gimme. No, Lux replied firmly, pushing Jinx back. You have to be patient. Now go finish, I don't know, attaching a bandsaw to Pow Pow or whatever it was you were doing. Oh, that sounds fun. Jinx grinned ear to ear as she stepped back, then scratched at her head. Wait, do I have a bandsaw? Hold that thought. And then she was gone, vanishing into the bedroom to look for her prize. Lux turned back to the meal that was cooking, feeling at least passingly certain that there was no bandsaw in their bedroom. It wasn't that big of a room, and she was sure she'd have noticed one. But she also knew Jinx well enough not to put it out of the realm of possibility for her to turn one up regardless. The better trick she'd learned was not asking how Jinx got a hold of such things when she pulled those stunts. After the mass casualties with the turtleneck incident last week, Lux decided she was better off not asking either. Plausible deniability and all that. All told, it didn't take long for the roast to cook. It wasn't particularly large, and Jinx rarely ate much. In fact, she barely seemed to eat at all. There were days Lux wondered if Jinx sustained herself purely on her manic will to destroy. That was absurd, of course. Jinx was, unfortunately, troublingly human. Troubling because it meant that, with the way Jinx lived, there was a very real chance that Lux might lose her someday. 
Part of Lux was still convinced that Jinx was some kind of force of nature, some primordial will made manifest in the world, because it would elevate her above something as petty as death. If only, Lux muttered wanly as she stared down the small, half-loaded basket she was preparing. The notion that one day Lux might wake up and Jinx would be gone from the world was one that terrified her on a fundamental level. Even worse was how plausible it was. If Lux were being fully honest, she would admit that she wasn't really sure what was holding Jinx together. As often as Lux had seen her dance between bullets and dodge lethal attacks on a whim, the scars that covered her body told a darker truth. That Jinx could be hit, and had, and often, and hard. The sheer scale of damage inflicted on Jinx's body was the kind that would have left veteran soldiers ruined for a lifetime, but Jinx seemed more or less unperturbed by it all. The scars were just scars. The damage was just damage. It eventually went away, assuming she survived it, and she always had. But what if one day she didn't? Lux's hands were shaking as the oven chimed, and she took a long, deep breath as she pushed those thoughts far from her mind. It wouldn't do to dwell. She could consider those problems another day. For now, she had something far more important to concern herself with. Jinx! Lux called. The door to their bedroom cracked open, and the grinding whine of something that sounded suspiciously like a bandsaw died down as Jinx stuck her head out. Yep. Sighing, Lux dragged her hand down her face, then turned to pull the roast from the oven. Dinner is ready, and I swear if I come in there and I find it... Jinx cracked an utterly unconvincing laugh. What? Nah! I'll be in a second, Blondie! Jinx vanished back into the room, and a small laugh trickled out of Lux. Well, wherever she got it, hopefully she'd put it back. Lux went to work cutting and wrapping the roast, and by the time she was done with the last of the preparations, Jinx had finally emerged from the bedroom, looking a little sweaty but thankfully sawless. Follow me. Lux hefted the basket and smiled as she collected her staff and pulled on her jacket and shoes. Jinx, per usual, didn't argue or even questioned. She just smiled and threw on one of her warmer jackets, pulled on a pair of beat-up old work boots she only rarely had occasion to use, and followed Lux out of the flat. They rode the pneumatic lift to the highest floor, and as it neared the final stop, Lux winked at Jinx and stretched out her fingers, tightening her hand into a fist. Light poured out from between her knuckles, and when she opened her fist, she was holding a thin, luminescent bar. She fit the bar to the service notch in the lift's main access panel, twisted it, and popped the panel open where she selected the button labeled Roof Access. The doors hissed open, and Lux shivered at the chill in the air. It was an hour to midnight, and the sky was still clear. This high up, the moon and stars were plainly visible, and Lux stepped out of the cab of the lift, and Jinx followed. Her eyebrow raised as she glanced around. A hint of Jinx's manic energy was flowing back into her now that they'd left the flat. Like always, the moment she wasn't at home, Jinx went into full alert. And Lux reckoned she only had a handful of moments before she lost Jinx to one of her episodes. "'Sit,' Lux said as she knelt and shook out the blanket she'd tucked over the basket across a square of the hard metal roof. Thankfully, Jinx did as she was told, and it gave Lux time to plant her staff at one corner of the blanket. It wasn't quite a spell. It was more like a matrix of spells that she needed to cast in sequence. But she'd been practicing for this very moment, and the one thing Lux knew for certain was that she had time she wouldn't fail. So a week of practice coalesced into a rapid-fire set of spells cast through the focus of her crystal staff. 
and a moment later a luminous dome bloomed around Lux and Jinx, covering the whole of the blanket. For a moment it was blinding, but only for a moment. And then it was gone, as if it had never been there, and with it went almost all the sounds of the City of Progress. And Jinx started to relax. Lux could see it in the set of Jinx's shoulders and the way her neutral rictus lost some of the intensity around her eyes and mouth. She could see it in how her breathing steadied just slightly. Jinx looked around in surprise, then looked up, and her grin broadened into a wide smile. Never seen that before, Jinx breathed. Nor, Lux reckoned, had any native-born Zonard or Piltoven. The dome was a reinforced and specialized version of her lucent barrier spell, and drew power from the Hextech grid of the spire. The downside, of course, was that Lux couldn't really move the staff unless she wanted to break the spell, nor could she very effectively cast it on the fly. Still, it filtered out the ambient noise and light of Piltover, and kept the temperature, if not warm, at least livable. Filtering out the light pollution meant that when Lux and Jinx looked up, it was as though they were looking up into the sky from the middle of untouched wilderness. The dome collected and bent the light spilling up from Piltover away, leaving the night sky above the city, for the two of them at least, unsullied for the first time since the founding of Piltover and Zahn. Jinx laid back on the blanket and stared up, enraptured at whatever it was she was seeing. As always, Lux could never really be certain. Maybe she was imagining stars exploding. So, um, I know we didn't talk about it, Lux said slowly as she settled in beside Jinx, but I thought that maybe it was my turn. Your turn for what? Jinx asked with a reflexive cackle as she tucked her arms behind her head. To plan a date, Lux muttered sheepishly. At that final word, Jinx went rigid, much as Lux knew she probably would. The truth was, neither of them had talked about the third date since they'd decided to live together, and Lux couldn't properly account for why. It wasn't Jinx's fault. Lux hadn't brought the topic up either. This is... Jinx trailed off as she sat up, her springberry eyes wide in the low light. Lux smiled nervously as she began plating out dinner. Mm-hmm. Lux nodded weakly. I, I didn't know how to bring it up, so I just did it. I hope that's okay. She held out a plate of roast to Jinx, who took it. I know this isn't as amazing as blowing up a Zonhite nightclub or having a game of chase over the spires of Piltover, but it's the only thing I could think of. I'm sorry, I'm not as good at planning dates as you. Jinx took the plate in both hands, staring down at it cautiously as she did, then looked back up at Lux and said, ah, Come on, Blondie, this is great. Just, you know, I thought I was supposed to... Lux shook her head. It's not fair to make you do everything, she replied. And since you did our first two dates, I figured it was my turn. And besides, I still have your surprise for after dinner, so hopefully it makes up for it. That caught Jinx off guard as she picked up her fork, and the Zonat looked up in confusion. Wasn't the date the surprise? Jinx asked. Lux shook her head. Just eat your roast. I'll show you after, okay? Jinx chuckled, but nodded as she forked a bite of the meat into her mouth while Lux plated some out for herself. It had turned out surprisingly good. Unlike most of her family, Lux prided herself on her self-sufficiency in more than just combat, constantly being out of touch from her family's wealth and servants as she served the Radiant meant she was largely responsible for herself, and learning to cook had become a part of that for her. Admittedly, she'd never thought she'd use the skill in such a domestic way. The thought put a warm blush on her cheeks. 
along with the plates and utensils. Lux drew out a pair of crystal tumblers, one of the few pieces of glassware she'd brought from home. They'd been a gift from Fiora Laurent some years ago, along with a bottle of Damasian brandy, and Lux had been saving it for a special occasion. Here. Lux held out one of the tumblers to Jinx, who took it and sniffed at the clear spirits within. It's no hobo knife fight, but I hope you like it, she said with a small laugh. Jinx grinned as she took a tentative sip, then chuckled weakly. What? Lux asked, her brow furrowing. Is it not good? I, I don't know, Jinx said quietly, lowering the glass. I can't taste it. Can't. Lux stared down at her own tumbler. Had there been something wrong with the seal? She took a sip. It wasn't as harsh as some of the spirits brewed in the lower districts of Damasia. This was properly distilled liquor, crafted by masters who had refined the art for centuries. Don't sweat it, Blondie, it's not the drink, Jinx said, setting her tumbler down. A shiver of apprehension crossed Jinx's features, one that would have been invisible to anyone but Lux. It was evident in the slightest tightening of that neutral rictus of hers, and then a straight twitch that flickered through the muscles around her eyes. The roast? Lux asked, lowering her fork as a cold cube of ice settled into her stomach, spoiling the flavor of the meat. A brief cackle escaped Jinx's lips as her shoulders stiffened. It's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's great. Jinx. Lux started quietly as she set her plate down on the blanket. Can you... can you taste anything? A cloud passed over Jinx's eyes, giving her a heartbreakingly far-off look for a split second. Then she was back, but her smile wasn't. All that was left on her face was her neutral rictus, her expression of tense, achromatic nerves that seemed to make the air around her hum with a dull, atonal note. And when she did speak, it was in a very small voice, and only to say, no. Lux tried hard not to bite through her lip as a wave of guilt and inadequacy crashed over her. The dinner, the sweet brandy. She might as well have served Jinx gruel and tepid water, apparently. How? Lux croaked. More for her lack of anything else to say that didn't make her sound like a cretin. The corner of Jinx's mouth tongued in the shadow of a grin, or maybe a grimace. Too many Dips in the sumps and sewers is on, I think, Jinx replied woodenly, still not looking up at Lux. Can't really avoid getting some of it in your mouth, you know, lots of chemicals in that water, skin's kind of the same. She flicked her arm with a long finger. Too much scar tissue and uh, maybe some dead nerve endings from a few too many misfires from old Zapper. Swallowing thickly. Lux tried not to imagine the kinds of things Jinx had been forced to do to survive. Gods, she was an idiot. Hadn't she just been thinking about how bad a condition Jinx's body was in? The delicate biological sensoria of the body would be the first casualty of that kind of life. At least that explained how she could stomach drinking that horrific swill. Scooting closer to Jinx, Lux reached out and slipped a hand into Jinx's and squeezed. Can't. Can you feel that? Jinx nodded dully. Mostly the pressure. I can feel it, and the warmth, but not much else. The revelation cast so many of Jinx's habits and actions in a new light. 
her disregard for and ability to ignore temperature extremes, the way she would hold on to Lux just a little too tight. It also explained her odd choice of clothing. So much exposed skin meant she could scrape up what little sensation she could get. Not every inch of her body was wrecked, after all. Still, for a moment, Lux failed to reconcile how someone with that kind of damage could do the things she'd seen Jinx do, though, perform the feats of dexterity and acrobatics which would normally require a fine-tuned set of senses. But a heartbeat later, her mind supplied the answer she'd initially missed. The scars. Those weren't just scars from getting hit. They were the result of mistakes from Jinx's condition. Everything she did, all the feats she could perform, they were all muscle memory. They were habits so deeply drummed into Jinx's body that even though she couldn't necessarily feel what she was doing, she could still do it because she'd forced her body to learn the hard way, just by doing it over and over and over, breaking bones, splitting skin, suffering burns and bruises and all other manner of wounds as she beat and hammered her own traitorous body into submission, until it would do what she wanted. Sorry, Blandy, Jinx said, still not looking up at Lux. It's, uh, pretty disappointing, huh? Jinx, please look at me, Lux said softly pushing their discarded meals away as she closed the distance between them. Please? Slowly, Jinx turned her head, still unable to refuse Lux, and glassy, springberry eyes met sharp, bright blue ones. Lux cupped Jinx's face in her hands, holding her still so Jinx couldn't flinch away to look elsewhere when Lux spoke. You're not disappointing, Lux said firmly. Remember what I told you when you brought my brother back? Jinx blinked rapidly and shivered as she visibly swallowed back a lump in her throat, then nodded slowly. I want you to say it, Lux said softly. Please. Slowly, Jinx turned her head. Still unable to refuse Lux and glassy, springberry eyes met sharp, bright blue ones. Jinx went out a shaky breath and she tried to drop her gaze, but Lux wouldn't let her. It took her several moments and a few false starts, but eventually she managed to get it out. I... I'm... Jinx stuttered, like her tongue was twisting around the words, but Lux just waited patiently as Jinx forced her way through the words. I'm... Enough. Always, Lux said warmly. You'll always be enough, Jinx. In that moment, Lux saw something she'd never seen before and hadn't honestly thought she would ever see, as all the muscles in Jinx's face seemed to either twitch or fail to respond randomly for a moment. It was like watching chaos ripple under someone's skin, and briefly, Jinx wore a look of awful, terrible pain as her chest hitched, then jerked. Then a few stubborn trickles leaked down across her cheeks. Jinx was crying. Lux's hands fell numbly away from Jinx's face in shock, and Jinx hung her head. A few stray tears fell before they, and that terrible expression that had let them out, vanished as Jinx leaned in to press her hands to Lux's shoulder. With shaky arms, Lux wrapped Jinx in an embrace, and Jinx returned it. So little of the Zonite's usual strength was in her arms at that moment. 
It was like letting out those few expressions of human emotion had stolen something out of her that she wasn't sure she could replace, but still, she held on. And as she pressed her face against Lux's neck, Lux heard her whisper something. It was Gutlau. She knew that much, but she didn't recognize the words. What? Jinx lifted her head and turned to look Lux in the eye. The glassy look and fragile rictus were gone, and now she just looked exhausted, worse even than the night she'd come into Lux's room after staying awake for a week straight. Remember when you tried to say, I love you, and got low? Jinx asked hollowly. Lux nodded slowly. I said it wrong, yeah. Jinx shook her head. Now you said it right, sort of, she replied. But see, there isn't a gutlau word or phrase for that, so the closest you get is I'll kill you last because, um, there's no gutlau word for love? Lux asked. For some reason, that struck her as painfully tragic. Her question got a brief laugh out of Jinx, who waved it off, and a smile that looked like it was costing her more effort than she had in her worked its way onto Jinx's face. Yes and no, Jinx answered. See, and Zon, when you got someone like that, there are no words for it, so we just, we just mix them up, you know? Something that means what it feels like, because just the one word doesn't come out right in Gutlau. That actually made sense, given what Lux knew about the structure of the chaotic language. Being a language born mostly of colloquial symbolism and fluid slang, the notion of having an immutable concept like love as a single word probably wouldn't work. So instead, the speakers just do for it what they do for everything else, so they make up more slang. Is that what you said? Lux asked, and Jinx nodded. Can you say it again? Jinx nodded again and repeated the sibilant string of syllables. She did it once, and then again, and Lux listened. For several minutes, she asked Jinx to repeat the phrase over and over and over, until Lux could say it herself in a single breath. There were bits and pieces of it she understood, morphological concepts and fragments that hinted at other words in the same linguistic stream, mostly. Lux said the phrase and heard shredded cant for cresting a canyon summit and slivers about finding a working heat vent. She parsed patois scraps for getting lost in a sump maze and fractured argot, suggesting a cold, lonely death at the end of a shiv. Lux rolled the words over and over, trying to find where they ended or began, but couldn't, and finally she looked back up at Jinx, who was smiling broader now, and said it again. That's... I love you? Lux asked after repeating it a final time. Nah, Jinx said, shaking her head. It means I. She jabbed her finger into her chest. Love you. She pressed the tip of her finger to Lux's collar. Of course. Because there was no phrase for I love you, Jinx instead made up a phrase that more accurately meant Jinx loves Lux. Licking her lips... Lux leaned in closer. Say it again? Jinx smiled broader. I love you, she said. But it was so much richer, so much warmer, and meant so much more than just that. Lux could feel it. She could taste it in the edges of the words. 
and the way they curled and flickered over her tongue. So I guess that doesn't mean you'll kill me last? Lux asked playfully. And her words got a brittle bark of a cackle from Jinx, who shook her head again. So what does it mean? Rather than answering immediately, Jinx wrapped her arms around Lux and pulled her closer until the smaller girl was sitting in her lap, and Jinx could bury her nose in the crook of Lux's neck. In that instant, Lux realized what the one sense was that Jinx possessed, which had probably escaped the worst of her body's ruin. Her sense of smell. Will you tell me what you're actually saying? Lux asked softly as she leaned to Jinx. Literally, I mean? Jinx sighed quietly, then nodded and said, It means, without you there's no light. Suddenly it was Lux's turn to cry. The tears came unbidden and without warning along with a swell of euphoria that she'd never felt before, and the world was abruptly brighter and more beautiful than it had any right to be as she let out a happy, wordless cry. She buried her face in Jinx's chest and let out a broken, ecstatic sob. If anyone ever asked her why she loved Jinx and why she would be willing to risk everything from her well-being to her family ties to the trust placed in her by her country, she would tell them, because Jinx needed to invent new words just to describe how much she loves me. How could Lux love her any less than that? So, um, I know this wasn't the, the best third date, Lux said shakily as she pulled away from Jinx, whose sweater had grown incredibly damp where Lux had been crying. And I know this isn't anything like as good of a gift as what you just gave me, but... Lux leaned back and reached into the basket, fished around, and drew out a small box, which she passed to Jinx with one hand while waving the protective dome away with the other as she settled back into her lap. Here, this is for you. Jinx looked down curiously at the box, prodded at it a few times, then pulled the top, popped it off, and peered inside. What she saw made her entire face light up. Tipping the box upside down, Jinx shook out the small sigil stone that Lux had carved with a raised central button. It was a Hextech slang tag used on industrial containers and the like for extreme danger, and it was a deep, jagged red and surrounded with warning markers that very clearly said in three different common languages, Do not press. Jinx looked up at Lux with an ear-to-ear -ear grin, then looked back down at the button, then back up at Lux, then back down at the button, then began rapidly and repeatedly pressing the button. In the distance, almost a dozen gaudy statues flashed, sparked, and superheated, as pillars of coruscating light shot up from them and into the sky, the intricate rune marks that Lux had spent her time carving into every dead drop which had been designed to collect and charge a network of solar energy into pure photovoltaic power, distributed itself throughout the many statues, turning them into molten slurries of metal that spilled out across the various now-empty market squares with a sound like the most cataclysmically enormous cat hissing and spitting into the void. The little stone tumbled out of Jinx's hand as she stared out at the flashing and flaring pillars, 
that were even then ruining portions of the city. And Lux missed the whole thing, because she could not stop staring. Jinx's eyes were wide, and they caught the light like hellfire. And when she finally did look back down at Lux, she looked like she'd just had the best meal and sleep of her life. That was awesome! Jinx crowed, hugging Lux tight and cackling, before pulling back and then darting in to capture Lux's lips in a deep, warm kiss. Lux melted into the affection, wrapping her arms around Jinx's shoulders. Their tongues darted together softly, and Lux let out small moans of satisfaction as Jinx's fingers found all the soft places on her body that she liked to touch. When Jinx pulled back, she was wearing a bright, broad grin. See, Blondie, Jinx said. That was right. About what? Lux asked a little dreamily, her head still in the clouds from the kiss. Jinx leaned in and brushed her lips against Lux's ear as she whispered what had rapidly become Lux's favorite words in Gutlow. Without you, there's no light. Lux let out a small, happy cry. I love you too, Lux said as she nuzzled her nose to Jinx's. And, um, you know what else? Hmm? Jinx raised an eyebrow. Lux gave her a Cheshire grin. We've had our third date. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.